Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to the last chapter of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. We're going to be reading one verse from there. We're in the middle of a series, but we're putting that on pause for the moment. We'll pick that up again next week. Mark chapter 16, starting to read at verse 15. Simply says, And he said unto them, he being Jesus, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. The last chapters of all four of the gospels include the account of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Think about the songs we sang in our worship service this morning. There's a lot of mention of the fact that he has risen again. Jesus told his disciples that it would happen. And yet when it did, it seemed to be beyond their comprehension. And we look back and we think, what a faithless bunch. But I imagine I may have struggled with that idea myself had I been there on that day. Everything that we believe about Jesus as Christians, particularly the promise of his return, depends upon the fact that he defeated death, hell, and the grave. Everything is connected to the resurrection. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and really it's, it's kind of the thrust or the theme of the whole chapter, that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then our preaching is vain or empty, and that our faith is empty. Not only that, he goes on to say that if we preach that God did something, that he did not do, then we are false witnesses of God. That's not something I want to be associated with. But we know this morning because of our experience with the Lord that the grave could not hold him, that he rose again just as he said that he would. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost today, you know that God is alive. Amen. It is the Spirit of Christ that lives in us. And the good news, which is just what the word gospel means, hangs upon the fact that the Savior is risen. It is central to the preaching of the gospel, that Jesus rose again from the dead. And it is worth noticing, and in all four gospels, if you consider the society of the day in the nation of Israel and how much of a male-dominated culture it was, the first people who were ever commissioned to share the news of his resurrection were ladies. The angels sent them to the apostles with the message that Jesus was alive and that he would meet them in Galilee. The first person who saw the resurrected Christ was a woman that he had delivered from demonic possession. And yet when the ladies brought the message, they did not believe them. Eventually, to summarize, Jesus would appear to the others and after chastising them for their lack of faith, he gave them what we now often refer to as the Great Commission. The Great Commission. And you can read on in the end of Mark chapter 16, Matthew chapter 28, Luke chapter 24, and you will find similar ideas. A commission. A commission is a set of instructions, a task that needs to be completed. But a commission also includes the authority and the resources to be able to complete that task. And when Jesus commissioned the disciples to preach the gospel, it came with the promise of power to enable them to do so. 
and that signs and wonders would confirm the message that they had been given. And we read again, Mark 16 and 15, He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The gospel was to be preached and still is to be preached throughout the world. That's why we read, and we've used this verse recently in our series, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The gospel was never meant to be contained to one location, to one group of people, to one nationality, to one ethnicity, but it was to be preached and demonstrated everywhere. And this verse in Acts chapter 1 is central to the series that we are currently in the middle of about being a true witness. Now, I think we understand that when we read verses about the gospel going out and how the Lord said, go into all the world, that not everyone can go in the sense of traveling to another location to preach the gospel. If we all up and went overseas to preach the gospel, one of us would have to come back to preach it here because this would be a part of the world which would need a witness. We understand that that's, that's not what the Lord is, is implying. And the early church was actually a little bit slow in answering or responding to this commission. And when you read the book of Acts, the Lord allowed persecution to get them moving, as it were. He made, allowed things to become uncomfortable in Jerusalem, and so some of them said, I'm going to go preach somewhere else, which was the Lord's intent straight away. Not everybody can physically go somewhere. Churches, the word church comes from the Greek word ecclesia, which means called out or a group of called out believers. And churches were established in cities and regions abroad, but they were also to go to their own families, their own neighborhoods, their own cities. And if you were here last Sunday night, if you weren't, you missed out. But if you were here last Sunday night, Brother Jonathan preached an anointed message about the church going forward. I want us to understand this morning, and I'm going to emphasize this much in the next couple of weeks in this series, that the Word of God that is preached is not simply directed by topics that are of interest to the preachers that we have. Preachers don't just say, well, let's come up with an interesting subject we haven't covered before. You know, I get people telling me from time to time, you know, we need more preaching about this and we need more teaching about that. And I just smile politely because I take my direction from God. Amen. And we need to put a lot of weight. If you're not putting weight in the preached word of God, if you do not consider that God is speaking to you, then you will miss out on what God wants you to hear. And Brother Jonathan... I spoke to him after the service to confirm this, but he had no idea of what the Lord had been speaking to me about for our theme for 2021. But God used him to very clearly confirm it. If I could have that next slide, please. This is our theme for 2021. He had no idea that I was going to be ministering this this Sunday morning. He's not even here. He's back in the mines working. But God used him to lay a platform and confirm the direction that we have for our church. This commission, before you think I'm about to look for volunteers to go to Uzbekistan or somewhere on the other side of the world that you've never heard of, this commission is not simply for the missionary who hears the call of God and leaves their home behind to travel to some faraway exotic place and learn a new language and start a church where churches weren't previously there. 
It includes the call to our own country, to this blessed land of Australia, which still has so many towns that do not have an apostolic voice. It includes the town or the city in which we already live, of some almost two million souls. Drilling down a little further, it includes your neighborhood, your family, your workplace, and your school. But I want to get down even further than that this morning. The commission includes you. Going somewhere, or rather going, the idea of going is so easily identified as moving from one dot on a map to another dot somewhere else. In our midst, there are people that God has called and will call to go from one dot to another. There are preachers, teachers, evangelists, workers in the kingdom in some form or capacity that God will relocate. On the other hand, some of us will live in one home for our entire lives and still be perfectly in the will of God. But none of us, hear me this morning, none of us are instructed to stay unchanged, unmoved or untransformed. None of us. And whether you recognize it or not this morning, God speaks to us all the time, every one of us, about going. About going. He speaks to us about going to pray more regularly. He speaks to us about being in His Word more regularly. He speaks to us about being in the house of God more consistently. He speaks to us about going from one place of commitment and consecration to the next. He speaks to us about going away from some things and some people and never going back. He speaks to us about change. I'm fairly certain that we all want to look back and see change. None of us that walk with God want to look back and think that we're in exactly the same place we used to be. The answer is go. Not to the other side of the world, to another continent, but from wherever you are to wherever God is speaking to you, to go. Leave some things behind and press toward the mark. Most of us have some kind of maps app on our smartphones, some kind of GPS. You open that app on your phone, you punch in an address, you ask for directions and it will show you a map that includes where you are, where you want to go and options for how to get there. Throw that next slide up please, Esther. What happens next? This is an image from Apple Maps. Once you've got one dot and another dot and some directions, nothing happens until you press that green button that says go. If you're using Google Maps, the button says start, but it's the same thing. You can look at a map, you can consider different things, you can get directions, and you can look at a map all day long. But nothing changes until you go. You can, you know, you, it's, it's pretty cool nowadays. You can go onto Google Maps and if you know what I'm talking about, you can get the little yellowy orange man from the bottom of the screen and drag him out onto the street and you can have a look at people's houses. However old the photo might be, they call it street view and you're able to, you can check things out. You know, when we were, we were preparing for the wedding last weekend and brother and sister Saeed had given us the address for the reception. Many of us use that to try to look up the reception, but when you use Google Maps and you use Street View, it shows you someone's house. And we thought, how are all those people going to fit in someone's house? But turned out at the end of the street, there was a reception center where we could have the reception. Sometimes you can't trust Google Street View. 
And I want to ask you something. Tell me, tell me if you relate to this. Just humor me for a moment. You're in the house of God on any given Sunday. The Spirit of God is moving on you. You know that God is talking to you. And the preaching of the Word of God is hitting your heart like you're the only person in the room. You have no doubt whatsoever that God is commissioning you to make a change, to commit to something that you know you should. Or perhaps it's to commit to something you need to stop or to walk away from and never look back. It's a powerful service, powerful service. There's no doubt in your mind whatsoever that God is peeling back the layers of your heart and wanting to perform surgery. Anybody ever been in a service like that? The musicians are called and the altar is open, but you barely hear the invitation to come because such is the conviction in your heart. You've just got to get to the front to talk to God. I've been in so many of those services, and I know you have as well. And you weep before the Lord in repentance, so much regret for the days, the months, the years that you've wasted not moving forward. The power of God is unquestionably there. There's no doubt in your mind, it's as if you can see the face of Jesus speaking to you face to face. But then Monday hits like a freight train. And all of that seems to evaporate because of situation and circumstance or whatever it might be that rocks us or throws a new curveball at us or a new challenge. And I want you to understand this morning, there will never be a perfect time. There will never be a perfect day. You just have to go. You just have to respond. All the different circumstances as well, you know, I'm, I'm going to do that once I've got this sorted out and I'm going to take care of this once I've got that sorted. You know, there were people Jesus spoke to. He commissioned them to follow him and they said, give me a moment to go home and take care of my affairs. And he said, let them worry about those things themselves. You know, there were people that came to him that wanted to follow him. And he said, no, you need to go back to your families. And then there were people that he called that just needed to tie up all their loose ends. You can miss the will of God worrying about your loose ends. There is no perfect day. We're in this series about being a true witness. Much of this series is about the gifts that God has placed in us to serve, for us to serve in his kingdom. You can throw that theme back up if you would, please, Esther. Whatever the gifts are that God has given you, and I hope in the last couple of weeks we've clarified that you have gifts. They will never become active if you don't go. Never. Again, I'm not talking about geography. I'm talking about transformation. There are things that God puts in people that lay dormant for their entire lives because they do not respond to the direction or the instruction of God. They're there. They're ready to go. He's got them downloaded and installed and he's ready to use you. But because there are some dots on the map that you're not willing to move towards, those gifts can stay, as it were, in the holding bay forever. Amen. If you're not moving in the direction that God is giving you, you will not see the purpose that God has for you come to pass. I want to be very clear, that's not a statement that says it's time to compare with each other. Comparing with each other is foolishness. I've taught it many times and I will continue to teach it. When you compare yourself to your brother or sister, there are only two outcomes. One is pride because you think you're better. The other one is feeling unworthy and not good enough because you think they're better. 
you compare yourself against the Word of God, against the will of God, and against the purpose of God for your life. It's not about comparison. It's about saying, God, where's the next dot on my map? I'm here. Where is the next dot? And I have people ask me. They say, I want the will of God in my life. I want to know what it is. Pastor, tell me what God's will is. I'm trying to work that out for myself. I'm serious. They want, they want to know what the journey contains and everything that it will con- include. They want a complete overview. When God is simply saying, you see that next dot? That's my will. Go. And we say, God, but I want to see the roadmap. I want to... You could not handle if God showed you the rest of your life. If, you, if he showed you everything you may go through, you'd run terrified. But he just says the next dot. We want the end dot. He's like, no, let's do this one dot at a time. He just says, there's the dot. Go there. I want you to pray. I want you to read the word of God. I want you to study. I want you to, I want you to pursue me. I want you to be committed. I want you to be faithful. I want you to serve somebody, help somebody, get involved somehow, be a servant in the kingdom. But God, I'm looking for this and that. And I've just noticed that our font's gone wacky on the PowerPoint slide. Sorry, Vanessa, you did such a good job of that. We'll fix that later. Maybe we should hide that for a little while. Like Abraham, we're looking for a city. We're looking for a city. But again, it's not a physical location. Two years ago, January, two years ago, we started a Bible class for 30 minutes at the beginning of Sunday morning service. It was the year that our theme was anchored. Unfortunately, the restrictions that we are currently under in our society have meant that we've had to pause those classes because of numbers that we can have in the building. But the, the Bible class was born out of a desire, not, not even a desire, a burden really, to see people grow in the Word of God. There is a famine in this land and it's not a shortage of food for our bellies, but it's a shortage of the Word of God in our souls. And it's not because it's not available. Some of it has to do with appetite. But the burden in my heart for people to know the Word of God and be built upon a firm foundation is only growing stronger. Having deeper roots in the Scriptures is directly connected to being saved, to staying saved, to growing to a place where the gifts God has placed in you can operate to being a vessel in the hands of God that he can invest into his kingdom. The word of God cannot be separated from that. Our national church, our national church has goals that fall into three areas. They are the development of leaders, in other words, training people to serve. Growth goals, souls to be added to the kingdom of God. And the third goal is the strengthening of an apostolic culture. Affirming the apostolic doctrine, seeing the demonstration of the miraculous power of God, which is what we're teaching about at the moment. And as a local church, we want to align ourselves with these goals to make our focus in the same direction. I think unity is important locally and nationally. But all of those goals are connected to the Word of God, and none of them can be achieved without the Word of God. Ministers and leaders that are trained and developed will minister and lead from the Word of God. Souls that are saved will be saved through the preaching of the Word of God. That doesn't just mean the pulpit, that means your testimony, your Bible studies, your witnessing. True apostolic doctrine 
in an apostolic culture are both preserved and promoted by the Word of God. In line with this, or in, in, in our desire as a local church, our vision, which is on a slide, if I could have it, please, remains to be a church where the presence of God, the love of God, and the power of God is present in every service. To be a church where everyone feels a personal responsibility for the church and for the kingdom of God. Say it with me if you would. My God, my church, my gospel. The gospel wasn't given to your pastor to look after. It was given to all of us. To be a church where evangelism is inseparable from our identity because Jesus loves souls, so should we. And to be a church that teaches apostolic truth and trains people for ministry and service. We are not all called to preach, but we are all called to serve. This is all connected to the Word of God. Without the Word of God, none of this can happen. The gifts that God gives you, unless you know what God's will is, unless you know what His Word teaches, how can you operate in those things? I'm so very, very thankful for the people who will be baptized in Jesus' name in 2020. I think it was about 17 baptisms last year. We thank God for that. We had about six people filled with the Holy Ghost last year. and We rejoice in that, but it's not enough. It will never be enough. As long as there are two million souls in Perth, it will never be enough. And the Bible class was born out of a desire to impart the Word of God as much as possible on a Sunday morning. We live in an hour where, I'm going to use the word unfortunately, we often only have one opportunity in a week to impact people. Now we can, we can comment about how it shouldn't be like that and I can bang my fist on the pulpit and say it shouldn't be like that, but it is how it is. It is how it is. It is the age in which we live. And so we need to utilize this time to its full potential if we want to see the church become what it is purpose to become, to see people fulfill the will of God and to step into their gifts and their callings. You would not give a little kid a chainsaw and tell him to go cut down a forest because there is training that is needed. There is maturity, that is, there is strength that is needed. A little kid probably can't even pick up a chainsaw. In much the same way, God has tools, gifts, and callings in this building that everybody has that will not be picked up until we grow to a place where we can handle the tools that he's given us. For my own, te- and many of you have heard my testimony, but my own testimony is that I was 17 years old when God called me to preach. And over time, he has channeled that calling into pastoring. But it wasn't a case of just being called by the Lord on Sunday and stepping into the role Monday morning. Didn't just, you know, go home from the Sunday service and start printing business cards. Made my own website. Before the call even came from God, the Word of God was being poured into my life. My pastor, my mother, my Sunday school teachers, my youth leaders, pouring God's Word into me. And even after the call came, it continued. In fact, after the call came, the diet intensified. More of the Word of God. More instruction from the man of God. An opportunity was given to preach. And like many of us the first time, it's simple, it's short, but it's a beginning. It's about going from one dot on a map to the next. 
It's about saying, God, I'm here. I'm on this dot right here. And I want to do whatever you want me to do, God. I don't think I've got a lot to offer. I don't see a lot of gift or talent, but I'm here. And then the Lord says, there's the next dot. Let's prepare to go to the next dot. Amen. An opportunity goes from one dot on the map to the next. More of the Word of God. And over time, understanding begins to increase. You're able to serve by the grace of God a little more effectively. And then there's more of the Word of God. And then steadily over time, you mature in the calls and the gifts develop and you're able to serve more than before. Understand that your growth is always connected to service, not promotion. It is connected to service. And over 40 years later, since God called me to preach, I'm standing here by the grace of God this morning and I'm still looking for the next dot on my map. I still say, God, add to me from your word. Help me to grow. Help me to understand more. Change me. Because our ability to impart the word of God more effectively, to teach more subjects, to train more saints to serve, to see people grow stronger, is limited at the moment. Our Sunday school's busting out of the space up there. We're moving things out, trying to create more space where you can only reach the walls. We don't have any more classrooms just for our kids. We need more space to teach and to train and disciple. And I'm not a risk taker by nature. If anything, I'm something of the opposite. But Cassandra quoted Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 this morning about faith. Faith must include stepping out into something we cannot see or understand. And I've talked to quite a few of you about this in recent weeks and months, but we moved into this building in the second half of 1997. For some reason I've got 2007 in my notes, so I ripped this off a decade. It was 1997. With Some of you were here. You'll remember not much more than a handful of people. And this church has grown And as much as it terrifies me in the natural, I believe it's time for us to look towards our next church property. I know that was going to get a quiet response because the first question that comes to our minds is how? I don't have the how. He has the how. Everything you ever do for God in any capacity begins with something or somebody that isn't enough. And God adds. And that's where we're at. We're at somewhere that isn't enough. But if it's from God, he will take care of it. Amen. I've been in discussion with the elders about this for some time. And we are in agreement that it is time to start to cast that vision for a new property. We're going to start a building fund. The purpose, let me be very, very clear if you don't know me. The purpose is not about having a bigger church sanctuary. Although that will be a part of it by default as the church grows. There's no point in having more people and less space. That doesn't make any sense. But the purpose is that we will have the facilities to teach the Word of God. Not in one Bible class on a Sunday morning, but in many Bible classes on a Sunday morning. So that we can impact as many people as we can of all ages and all stages all the time. New converts classes, Bible doctrines, leadership, family, finances, Christian living, things that are all necessary and on and on to help people become established, to put roots down into the foundation, into the Word of God, that God can take them and invest them in His kingdom. 
We're also going to be introducing online resources to help disciple people and develop leaders and ministers. And I will say this repeatedly on this journey, but God will make a way. God will make a way. If we will look to him, if we will trust him, he'll make a way. Don't come and ask me afterwards if we have the money in the bank. I'll save you the time. We don't. We have some, and the elders are doing the best we can to invest and make our money do things toward that goal. But I'm not worried about that. Because if I've heard from God, God will provide. If I haven't, you'll just have to be merciful with me. But I have, I have never felt a conviction like I do about this today. We've, people have been saying to me, Sister Pam's probably been bugging me for a new building for about 10 years. I didn't have Sister Pam's faith, but I believe the time is now. And God will make a way. He will make a way. He will, we will do our part. We will bring that which is not enough. And we will let him be El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough, the all-sufficient one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am passionate about training people for ministry. I make no apologies for that. I believe God wants to use this church as a place to become where people are not only saved, but a hub where people are trained and invested into the kingdom more than we've been able to do so far. That's what it's about. When we think about brother and sister aboard who are just in the process right now of relocating to Bendigo in Western Victoria to start a church where there is no apostolic church. They started here. They started here. I was looking through my big logbook of the weddings that I've done and theirs was one of the first weddings that I ever did. And now they're going out to start a church. That's got nothing to do with me. That's about God and his desire to invest people in his kingdom. You know, all churches, all apostolic churches should have common ground. They should all be a place where God loves people and people love God and people love people. And people should be saved, born again of water and spirit, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. That should, if we don't have those things, we've got a problem. But God puts different leaders in different churches to serve different purposes in the kingdom. And I believe I have a mandate from God to try to train and develop as many people as we can to invest them in the harvest because it's, it's too late to wait. It's too late to wait. And so we're making this call by faith. And we're saying, God, if it's from you, you'll make it. You know, the scripture, the scripture is full of God doing the impossible. He's the same God. He's the same God. It's not about us having a big church. It's about a big vision. If you know me, you know I have no desire to pastor a mega church. I want to put churches all over this city. I want to plant them all over this city, but you've got to have people that can, can, can staff them, for want of a better word. Laborers that will preach and pastor and care and do the things that have to be done in those churches. God is looking for servants. Our theme for this year, the image, is a collage of people from this church that are going in some capacity or another. They're praying, they're preaching, they're singing, they're at youth, they're fellowshipping. It's, it's just being a part of the kingdom. That's what going is. It's about saying, God, whatever it is you want me to do. If you want me to be an usher, we need ushers. If you, if you can be an usher, see Sister Emma. But I promise you're going to be required to meet some requirements. If you want to serve, see somebody, begin a process. If you come and say, well, I'm on this dot and I want to be on that dot, we may say, well, there's a few dots in between. But if you're willing to go from one dot to the next, God will lead. 
and God will anoint and God will equip. It all comes down to a desire to serve. I'd like to ask you to stand with me if you would this morning. God is calling us to go, each one of us. Where that is, that's between you and God. Somewhere on your spiritual GPS, there is a dot that God is talking to you about. You know where it is. For some of us, we've been looking at that dot for far too long. Some of us, that dot's been there and we it just we, we don't want to do it. We, God wants to change us. You know, if you're embarrassed about your brokenness, the next dot can be wholeness. God brings things in us to the surface, not to embarrass us, not to make us feel unworthy, but he brings them there so he can transform, so he can heal, so that he can be glorified. I used the example some time back, and it's not a new idea, the the Japanese practice of taking a broken pottery vessel and mending the cracks with gold so that the gold is what gets people's attention, not the broken vessel, not even the cracks, really. It's just the gold. And if you will put your vessel in his hands, it doesn't matter how much of a cracked pot you might think you are. Not a cracked pot, a cracked pot. Let me be very careful. God will fill your brokenness with his gold. And you can be a vessel, but it will not happen standing still. God, we've got to move. And when I was a little boy, I joined a soccer team. I think I was about seven years old. I had a friend that was in the team. He asked me to come play. Didn't really know much about the game. And they told me where my position was. I was in the, in the midfield on the left-hand side. And they said, that's, where, that's your position. And so for the entire game, I marked that spot. <laughs> 21 other kids ran all over the field. Simon Butcher marked the spot. They said, that was your position. What they meant was, that's where you start when the kickoff comes. I wasn't supposed to stand there all day. I don't know which one of my parents took me, but they were probably very, very embarrassed. I didn't realize that you start somewhere, but then you have to be involved in the team. If you're here and you've been born again of water and spirit today, you're on the spot. Please don't stay there. (laughs) Please don't stay there while everybody else is running around you. Move to the next spot. Move to the next spot. Let God direct you here. Let God direct you there. Ask God to show you what your gifts are, but also ask him to show you how to prepare to be effective in those gifts. That's what we need. I wonder if we would just bow our heads together as a church for a moment. Let's just lift our voices. If God's word is speaking to you this morning, I'm not going to open this altar. I'm just going to, as a whole, as a church, where we stand, I want us to present ourselves to him. Say, God, you've brought me so far.